Welcome to Layer of Secrets podcast, a podcast of exploring the sprawling caverns of gaming, hidden treasures of geekdom, and the unexpected intersections of reality. Uh, today, we're going to be uh, talking Savage Worlds, uh, specifically the Savage Worlds Adventure Edition. Uh, we're <laughs> reviewing the basics of Savage Worlds and how to use its tools in building a setting. Uh, why? Well, I have yet to play Savage Worlds. Actually, that's a, a minor lie. When I when we discussed <laughs> making this episode, I had never played Savage Worlds or run it. It came out about the same time as Spirit of the Century and Hollow Earth Expedition. And I'm like, oh, it's it's another system that you can play pulp stuff in. And I was like, I don't need yet another system to do that right now. But I kept, kept hearing about it and hearing about it and hearing about it. Fate's still around. I don't know about Hollow Earth Expedition. Heard that it's can do a bunch of that Savage Worlds can do more than just pulp, uh, more than just Deadlands. And so I had had an idea for a game and decided to talk to these two people about how to build that game setting, at least for a one shot and uh, and give things a try. So um, what is Savage Worlds? So that's a good. So should we? I guess we might actually want to do introductions because we we didn't do our standard lead-in. So I don't yeah, even know that true. people realize okay. that uh, All right. All right. Overlord Emeritus uh, Chris Miller is in the house, yep. in hey, the everybody. lair. <laughs> I am. Hello. Thanks for having me back, guys. Yep. And I'm this guy named Ken Newquist, but you've heard of me before. Yep. <laughs> you've heard I of Chris David before Moore. too. <laughs> and once again, we have we have already hit our quota of tangents. Um, so anything after this is just extra for all of you. Uh, we're just getting started. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think so, you know, yeah, so good, Chris on here is because he's done uh, a couple of his own settings for Savage Worlds, which we'll talk about um, as as we go along. But first, what is Savage Worlds the game? Yeah, so I think we can we can talk like high level. So Savage Worlds is is like Fate and like GURPS and um, a number of other systems, and that is it is meant to be a generic rule set. Uh, it doesn't really have a default mode. Um, if it does, it's probably something modernish, something pulpish. But they're giving you the tools where you can pretty much run even in the core rule book. You can run pretty much any setting uh, for people who are coming from Dungeons and Dragons. Um, especially third edition or, well, I guess even fourth and fifth edition too. Um, there are similar concepts. So there are things called uh, edges, which allow you to have special benefits. They're kind of like feats from uh, from Dungeons and Dragons. Um, you also have hindrances, which if you take those, they're negatives for your character. They'll come into play either through role playing or mechanically, um, like maybe bum legs. So your character has uh, slower movement um, or your uh, all thumbs. So technology breaks whenever you try and use it. Um, but in exchange for those uh, drawbacks, you get additional points that you can use to buy abilities or buy um, additional edges, that kind of thing. Um, so it has built into it as a, as a point by system um, where you are spending points to get your kind of four core attributes, which are similar to the D&D ones. Like, so you've got agility and intelligence and gosh, I don't remember them off the top of my head. It's been a bit since I played Savage Worlds, but you've got these four core attributes. You also have a variety of different skills that you can acquire um, by spending points on. And the the primary role of the attribute seems to be to set the upper limit for how how expensive your skills are going to be. (laughs) So if you have a lot, if you have a high smarts, then you can buy smarts related skills more cheaply. 
Yeah, and they they do mention they definitely mention that in part of character creation. Um, there are a few things like minimum strength and such like that for like wielding wielding melee weapons or other things like that that you have to have a certain minimum strength in order to use it. But for the most part, from what I've seen reading the rule book and such, yeah, it's it's used to say when you're doing character creation, it can't go above your stat, uh, your trait, which can called skills, but like which I often call skills, but they call traits um, like it can't go above your attribute uh, during character creation. And then later on, if you want to buy a trait above it, it like costs double if it goes above your attribute. Yeah, I think I, I think when I think about Savage Worlds, it's what am I trying to accomplish in the game that I'm running? And I use Savage Worlds for when I want to be running movies or like 1980s, 1990s television shows. And what <laughs> I mean by that is there's an element of uh, speed. I think they say fast, furious, fun is the tagline, mm -hmm. but combat is relatively simplified, even though you... Even though you can use miniatures with it, and, and in some ways they encourage it, it is not like D&D that started as a mini-based game that has, you know, acres and acres of, of, of tables and things. You can get in and run a combat and get back out, and combat does not last forever like a D&D um, combat. It's... I really lean on it for, you know, if you wanted to run the Avengers, you would not run it as... A D and D game, you would run it as a Savage World Supers game. I mean, it just—that's the speed at which you're doing things, and um, it allows for a lot more. Uh, I find a lot more role play because we don't have to concentrate as hard on the crunchiness. There is crunchy. If you want to get crunchy, you can get pretty crunchy <laughs> in Savage Worlds. But if you're like me, I tend to run for story. And I tend to do away with most of the crunchiness unless there's a compelling reason to, to deal with it. That's not for everybody. I mean, lots of people like crunchy. Nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was so going to say... I, oh, go ahead and continue. No, go, no, go on. I was just going to say, you know, so to kind of bring it home there, you know, Savage Worlds, it accomplishes something that GURPS did for me once upon a time a long time ago, which is you can run just about anything with it. Mm -hmm. There are a number of settings that you can pull from that are really great. And it is relatively easy to adapt, you know, your own favorite settings to this world um, or, or to this system. And that's that's one of the things I really like about it. The thing that always comes to mind is the first thing I ever ran in Savage Worlds was a sliders game because <laughs> it's perfect for that sort of thing. I think it was even Ken who introduced me to this system years ago. Um, but yeah, so that's, you know, when you're, when you're talking about, you know, adapting things, I find Savage Worlds works great for adapting things where I, I would not be able to do that with a and d, d or a vampire or, you know, th that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah so I, I completely agree. One of the things that really drew me to Savage Worlds recently when I was trying to, when I was trying to find a system for this one shot I wanted to put together I saw that the history of the original Savage World, Savage World Adventure Edition is the latest incarnation. The person who was running it really liked D&D, but hated how long combats ran. D&D 3, 3.5. He went through and with his group, they made Savage Worlds 
uh, the initial version so that you they could still have some of the crunch of D&D and some of the the advancement and the, the feel of advancement and things like that. And yet have have combats run really, really quickly. As I kind of alluded to earlier, I'd have since been setting up this episode. I actually have run the one shots. Uh, a, a well, I would say it's a, a half shot because we got about <laughs> halfway through. But because uh, gamers being gamers, and we hadn't talked in a long time, uh, especially in person, we talked a long time. The combat that I ran in there was very very quick, and yet they were. At the beginning, I'd given them a, a cheat sheet of the different maneuvers they could do. And they're like, uh, they were already starting to do the maneuvers that were in there because some of them didn't have, say, fighting. They had shoot, but they didn't have a gun. So they were using uh, a club because of the adventure. And they had to, they were trying to overcome the minus two for not having the fighting skill. And so they were doing the all out attack and wildly swinging all over the place, but that negated their minus two. Normally, like if you were to think about doing that in D&D and, oh, let me find this little maneuver here, that little maneuver there, it's not easy. You know, it slows things down. And and in this case, it didn't slow things down at all. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that benefit, the Savage Worlds benefits from in terms of speed. So... So one of the big things is the difference between wild cards, which are your player characters and your major NPCs and your minion slash mooks slash extras, which it, it works similar to but better than <laughs> minions did in uh, in D&D fourth edition. Right. Like basically you've got all of these characters, these minion style um, characters, which are the ones that your heroes are just going to plow through right like they're the um the invading army in new york i can't remember the the, who are the invaders called in avengers in the chitauri right yeah yeah they're they're like loki is a wild card because he's got all of the powers the avengers are obviously wild cards the chitauri are just like they're there for the heroes to have challenge like there's challenge their challenge is the number of them right and so they're attacking various parts of new york and so the pcs have to split up to deal with these various threats while also balancing what loki is doing right so they have to so so that's very much a wild a, a savage world sort of environment right where you've you've got lots and lots of these minions that you can get through and they're still going to be a challenge <laughs> this isn't to say that you're just going to wipe them out easily um they can still do damage but they're just not as tough as a, as a pc and then wild cards get sprinkled in through the encounters they might be a henchman they might be the big bad what have you so the fact that you don't have to grind through 40 hit points worth of damage to knock out a mid level henchman is a significant benefit to savage worlds right because it's it's the same no matter what level you are if you're at one of the higher tiers the mooks are still going to be as tough as they were to begin with you might like tweak their stats a little bit but they're not getting more hit points as you go along i think the other things that are really helpful from a mechanical standpoint are bennies so uh, bennies are tokens that you can spend to re-roll certain checks. Uh, you can't, it depends if you, so there have been several different versions of Savage Worlds. I've got my Explorer's Edition right here. I've got the Deluxe Edition here and uh, the Suede version. So my problem right now is that I've got them all swimming around in my head. <laughs> and I can't remember the specifics for the most recent one because unlike you, I haven't had a chance to, to run so, it. Um, <laughs> so I th- so what I think if you... When you roll and unless you get a critical failure, 
you can spend a Benny to re-roll. And you can continue to spend Bennies to re-roll as many times after that initial one as you want. Yeah. And then you take the best result out of all of those rolls. And you can't you can't use it to re-roll damage. It's yeah, only that's the one it. I was trying to remember um, about. Yeah. Because they changed that. Like at one point, not the case anymore. Really? Um, I I believe you can re-roll damage. In this it used to be an edge, <laughs> but in any case, this is one of the, the the bits. Like when you move between editions and learning the new rules, um, you know, I don't think Savage Worlds has been obnoxious about it. But you know, there is occasionally as you move between editions, it's thematically all the same. The basic rules are the same, and if you accidentally use something from a previous edition, it's not going to be the end of the world, right? Yeah. Um, but mechanically, it all still plays very, very fast. And so, Bennies give you opportunities for players to take risks that they might normally not take, and then they get rewarded for taking those risks by earning more Bennies. So it, the Benny system, like the the Fate Point system in Fate and the plot points in Cortex and what have you, they're really there to incentivize your players to take risks and so unlike a DD game sorry we're picking on dungeons and dragons but we've all been there right like i'm hiding behind the rock because i don't want to get hit i'm scared i don't want to run out into the open i might get like taken out right yeah um, only enough this game's about to take one arrow <laughs> right well, that's, that's, this that's, game that's, encourages you to take risks yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's exactly what i'm what i'm talking about about it you know this mini this mini crunchy based game versus something more cinematic. Now, D&D can be very cinematic. They've made a lot of changes. But I think... Oh, yeah, you know, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm running one Savage Worlds game right now and one D&D game right now. I've got a player who's in both of them. And, you know, just... We, we took an hour and a half to run a combat in D&D the other night. There were reasons for that, and some of them were very good. And that's okay. <laughs> But it's a different kind of flow than like I'm playing Dresden Files for for my Savage Worlds game. An hour and a half combat in a Dresden Files game isn't a thing. Right. It's right. not like that in the books. <laughs> it's not like that in you know in the game. So yeah. And yeah. if you if you break down the amount of time in game that an hour and a half D and D combat has taken, it might mm -hmm. be one minute long. Right. <laughs> That that just sounds the time dilation's fine. I wanted this game to be fast, furious fun in in keeping with it. I, I did look up the bennies. There are seven things you can do with a Benny. And then I want to define what a wild card is and what an extra is. because uh, yes. because we talked about it, but we haven't defined it. So you can re-roll a trait. So if you roll uh roll a your your trait check like you're fighting or you're shooting or you're your science type skills or other things like that, uh, your research, you keep the total from all your rolls unless you get a critical failure, which is when you roll, you roll your trait die and a wild die. And if both of those come up a one, that's a critical failure. You can't re-roll a trait if your first roll is a critical failure. If you're rolling a Benny, that's not a critical failure after, after that first roll. You can recover from being shaken uh, which we haven't talked about yet, but that that goes into the how wild cards and Benny and extras take damage. There's this first stage called Shaken, which I found really kind of cool uh, mm -hmm. in in actual play. Uh, you can then soak damage. You can you can have armor and you have your toughness. So when you get hit, you can reduce the amount of damage that comes in. But if there's still damage that actually gets in to cause a wound or more, 
you can roll to soak it. You can, if you didn't do well, you can spend a Benny to, oh wait, no, sorry. You can roll to soak it if you spend the Benny to roll to soak it. Yes. And then you, of course, if you didn't do so well, I believe you can then spend a Benny to re-roll your soak roll. Mm-hmm. Yep. You can draw a new action card. And we haven't talked about initiative yet. Initiative is done with playing cards. And if you don't like the card you get, you can spend a Benny and get a new one. Um, you can re-roll damage, which evidently is not the case in earlier editions. But in this case... Some of this is new. <laughs> in this case, it was pretty cool because uh, it did happen in the one shot um, where uh, when hitting an extra, it only sh- it only did the shaken on them it didn't actually take them completely out and so they mm-hmm. wanted to spend a benny to make sure that we could take that extra out in one hit and then you can regain power points power po- powers are magic superpowers other things mm-hmm. that you know they kind of work like spell slots in in dungeons and dragons there's a limited number of them but you can spend bennies to regain some of those power points The last one, which is the most wide open, which is influence the story. (laughs) That's kind of a dialogue between the player and the GM or the players and the GM saying, hey, I would like this to happen. I would like this to be true. For instance, the setting I was in is a Victorian sort of uh, steampunk setting with magic, heavily inspired by uh, Margaret Wells. Uh, some of er- her earlier work, um, not Murderbot Diaries. Martha Wells? Martha Wells. What did I say? Okay. Margaret. Margaret. Martha Wells, <laughs> yes. So heavily inspired by that, they're at like this soiree with, with like 200 plus people. And one of the characters that I made up is kind of comes from a disgraced family. And the player who was playing her, she decided that, well, she wants to, to smash like all of like like disrupt and kind of smash a whole lot of the ruling structure and so decided to set fire to part of the soiree (laughs) not part of the plan but it i rolled with it was looking for something to set stuff on fire with and so i was like you could spend a benny and like find like a half a gallon of kerosene or something like that and and we had a little talk back and forth of what she could do to find things. And so that was pretty cool. It's it's a lot like spending fate points in a certain way in Cortex. Um, I'm used to it from the Serenity RPG, but that's that's where Cortex originally came from. But yeah, you can spend stuff to affect the world and the setting. Uh, and it it's pretty cool. Like, hey, I know this guy over here. Spend a Benny. It's like, oh yeah, you, you do have a friend on the docks that you can have a talk with. Mm-hmm. So that's Benny's wild yeah, so, cards. Yeah. Talk wild cards. <laughs> wild cards are you inherently know that your characters are special in, in savage worlds. They're not zero level humans that, you know, got out of working at the bakery, picked up a sword and decided to go to the latest goblin caves. They have something special that makes them heroic. And in this way, it reminds me a lot of fate and, and some of the other systems. If you're in D&D and you're using kind of the heroic way of, you know, rolling dice when you used to do, what was it, 46, drop the lowest, you know, that kind right. of, you're, you're stacking, stacking the deck and your players are, are wild cards. 
but certain villains can also be wild cards. And these are your these are your boss battles. These are your your NPCs with a little bit more oomph. These are the ones that you know the evil wizard is going to be a wild card, while the minions are just going to be mooks. They tend to pose more of a challenge. Ken, you look like you've got something. Oh no, I was going to say so like. Hit point wise, like there aren't really hit points, there's just wounds. Mm-hmm. So the extras get, I think, one wound, mm-hmm. and um, wild cards get three. I've occasionally mm-hmm. given really big monsters more than three wounds and <laughs> because, and, like, and dragon, that's, <laughs> and that's the case for all wild, wild cards, including characters. They only take three yes. wounds, no matter yeah, how only powerful they wounds. are, they can mm-hmm. only take three. That's yes. where your soak rolls and stuff come in. Yes, that's where bennies are so, so important, right? Because they're preventing you from getting completely wiped out. Um, That's the other thing that's unique about wild cards is wild cards can spend bennies. So each player gets three bennies at the start of a session um, that refresh at the beginning of the next session. The bennies don't hold over between sessions, uh, unlike with like fate points if you have above your refresh and fate points you keep the those extras in savage worlds you always get those three um i think some edges might give you more but but for every player the gm gets one benny and there Mm -hmm. are certain things like when drawing initiative uh like i said you had a poker deck the jokers are in those two jokers are in the deck if the players draw one of the players draws a joker then all the players get one Benny in addition to the benefits of the Joker. Mm-hmm. If one of the GM group of extras or wild card or whatever draws a Joker, the GM gets an extra Benny. Bennies are also given out for things like role playing, uh, making the entire table have have more fun, laugh, etc. I reward puns. Puns. Yeah. Some people, would, some people would do that. Uh, Overlord Johnson would probably be against that. Maybe no, no, no. Sorry, Murr would probably be against that. Murr doesn't like puns. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, there's a lot Murr's, of um, Murr's wrong. Murr's wrong. <laughs> Murr's wrong. Um, I don't know. There's there's a lot of cool stuff that that you can do, and it's the idea. Um, from my talking with Ken and Chris and reading the book is Benny's should be given out and spent like constantly. Um, Mm. You know, you're uh, there's, you know, especially like toward the beginning of a session, you know, so the players kind of build them up, but then maybe they tail off toward the end of a session and, you know, they, but the idea is, is that, character players shouldn't be like hoarding their bennies you're you're using bennies to overcome a player's natural risk averseness yeah yes (laughs) and i really like that that side of things we mentioned initiative is which is kind of cool unlike dungeons and dragons and several other systems out there every single round has a new and everyone has a new initiative since it's all done with the deck of cards no one has the same initiative. It's it goes from ace down to two and then in reverse alphabetical order for suit, which I get which I, from what I understand is the same for for poker in terms of like importance. Ace of clubs 
is going to go after the Ace of Hearts. And if you draw a Joker, not in addition to the Benny side of things, you also get to pick whenever you want to go in the round. So it's one of those things that's that's an extra benefit. But if the Joker's drawn, that's at the end of that round, that's when you shuffle the deck again to set everything back up. And it was really neat because it adds... I've heard it called popcorn initiative, but it adds an extra layer of risk, but also reward to things. For instance, in the one shot that I did, there was the one of the characters was like trying to take her club and smash these these gloom spider things that were coming out of the walls and had gone on a like a a wild attack or reckless attack. I don't remember what the thing was called, but what was supposed to happen is for their swing, they get a plus two to hit and a plus two to their damage until their next turn. The anything attacking them would get like a plus two. They went at the end of the round and happened to draw a card at the beginning of the round. So they fully recovered from that. And so when they were swung at next, they had they hadn't done the wild attack that second round. The extras didn't have the, the plus two to hit them which I I thought was also kind of neat and yet super easy to keep track of. Yeah, I think that was the thing that surprised me. Like, I think we were skeptical. So back in the day when we started playing Savage Worlds, it was because we were at Origins in like 2009 or something. That was Um, it. Yes. And the Explorers Edition came out and it was like 10 bucks. It's this thin little book that I'm holding up, right? 10 bucks. We're like, and everyone's like, this sounds really cool. And I think I got everybody to buy it. Yeah, you did. You did. I, I may remember. actually have the Savage Worlds Explorers Edition. I think I do. I have never actually read it. I probably should have now. Yeah, because that's where I got like my terms. Like they called it skills in here, right? So I think I think with the latest edition, they've each edition has definitely refined it, and I think Suede has made it the most consistent. So like, why can't you know the old rule about not being able to use um, Benny's on damage? Why? Just make it easy. Just say you can use it on anything. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I think I think initiative uh, is just so dynamic. I have the oversized Savage Worlds cards. And so when I'm the DM and playing in the real world, I'm just like tossing them out. Everybody can see the game. The people are engaged as you're dealing out these cards because like, oh, man, you got a two. Oh, wow. He's got an ace. And then I reveal my NPC cards. Right. And like they're like, ah, oh. so it, it creates this dynamic at the table that you just don't get when people roll dice and, and call out their initiative for Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Um, and the fact that it changes every turn, like I was very skeptical that we were gonna do this every turn and then it wasn't gonna get bogged down, but it works. Like you said, it's fast, it's pretty easy. And then the other cool thing about it is there are edges that then you can use to manipulate initiative order. So there's like quick minded or something like that. You get to draw two cards, um, keep the better one. There's a like a plotting uh, hindrance or something where you draw two, keep the slower one, right? So there's mm-hmm ways to play around with initiative within edges that also are interesting. So if you want a guy who's going to consistently go before other people, there's a way of doing that because yep. you can take the edge that's letting you draw more cards. Uh, one of the things not directly related to the rules, but something that the Savage World people have put out is they have a table tent that is a form fillable PDF, which is really awesome. It shows like the three important traits for not. Tra- it's like a computed trait, but like your toughness your whatever it is to avoid getting hit in the first place i don't remember what it what it's called perry <laughs> perry um and then there's a third one which we didn't use so i don't remember it 
Um, but <laughs> it's a it's a little table tent that you would normally fold in half. But the front end, the the way that they've constructed it is all of those three things are on the front and then there's a space to stick the card and you you fold a little tiny lip up on the bottom of the front so that the card can just sit there and not slide down and like i found that super useful because then i could just scan all my players and go okay they're gonna go they're gonna go they're gonna go instead of going okay what what card does everybody have and then they would have to like hold it up or whatever and it was a very small, minor thing, but it made the combat that incrementally much quicker and easier to do. So the other thing that I think is really important uh, for Savage Worlds is its core game mechanic of exploding dice and multiple successes. Yes. So um, whenever you roll out the maximum value on a die, you roll it again. And if it maxes, you roll it again. And if it maxes, you roll it again. <laughs> um, and so every multiple of four uh, is a success. And so... That can be uh, fatal for um, <laughs> for wild cards. <laughs> yes. it, it adds to the dynamic of the fight and uh, GMs, uh, you should be prepared to let go of your, your NPCs or maybe have a brother or sister lying around who's going to come in at the end <laughs> to avenge their fallen comrade, right? Or their fallen sibling. But it, it, it's part of what makes the game so dynamic is because the dice can explode and the players know that the dice can explode and they're rolling that trait die plus their wild die. So they've got two chances. and it, even on, even with a trait that's a, like a D4, right? Well, that's okay. You've got a one in four chance of that die exploding. That's actually yeah. like not sucky in some ways, right? That and so what happened in our game was like there, someone's fighting was like a D4 and then they had their wild die, which is always a D6. Um, and their wild die didn't explode, but their D4 did and it did it twice. And so it's like, OK, well, you've got successes and raises. It, it was really neat to see that. I, I think we actually kind of skipped over the fact that different traits have different die. Codes. Yeah, we did kind of <laughs> kind of talked around it. But like if you have a trait in, and you have like a six in that trait, what that means is a D6. So when you're going to roll it, you're going to roll a D6 plus your wild die of a D6. If you have a D8. And the reason this matters is yep. a four is a success. So you have right. a greater chance with a D8 on your yes. roll than you do with a D4. And that's how the progression works. It right. took me a little while to wrap my head around that. But, you know, <laughs> but, right. you know given that four is the success, if you've, got a D, if you've got a wild card that's got a D12 in something, that's, yeah, yeah. that's, yeah. It's pretty awesome. So, and then there, uh-huh. there are people that can go above D12s and that's the only time that I've seen where you get like trait bonuses that are directly. So it's like D12 plus one or D12 plus right. two. It doesn't go to D20. <laughs> right. Because <Right. laughs> it doesn't have a doesn't have the normal bell curve. Four, six, eight, ten, twelve, and then twenty doesn't make sense. You'd need a D14, which I'm sure is out there, but definitely not standard. Yeah. I think, you know, so all of this, the, the, the way the mechanics all kind of come together, at least in my experience, is that it, it can create very dynamic, very interesting and very unexpected results. So when I was running my uh, day after Ragnarok uh, lunchtime game, uh, which is by Kenneth Height, uh, was put out by Atomic Overmind. It's, you know, the, the, the Midgard serpent arises, it gets nuked by the Americans because that's what you do when you see a giant spirit, <laughs> spirit snake. <laughs> it crashes to the ground, pollutes the world, whatever, right? And so the guys were fighting against this, uh, this snake cult. 
and there's a big nasty snake. It's the wild card. It comes like around the edge of a building. Guy gets off a lucky shot with his pistol, kills the snake, right? This was the centerpiece of the encounter. Snake <laughs> is dead. Cultist comes around the corner wielding a hatchet, throws it at the same guy. That die explodes. And the next thing you know, like that PC is at death's door, right? So it's swung from on the one hand, I just took the they just took out the serpent in one shot. And then the the wielding maniac cultist comes around throws a hand axe and suddenly the guy's like they're like oh my god he's dying what are the rules for dying <laughs> yeah yep. and it was good luckily i didn't have to do with that part of it um <laughs> the dying part of it you know in terms of having fast combats it's really it's really pretty nice um Ooh. so like i had i had i added three characters three players and so i had three extras come out because i'd never run combat in the system before i figured that would be good Turns out two of those players, one of the players didn't have any shooting, didn't have any fighting. And so, like, <laughs> basically totally skipped back. The other person stepped back a bit because they had powers, but they didn't really have fighting either. And so we only had the one character up front. So all three extras, these gloom spiders came up and all three attacked. Well, if you attack and there's other adjacent extras with you you get a plus one for each one. So they had they had a plus two. All three of them had a plus two to hit. It was close. Uh, and luckily they didn't uh, they didn't drop that character, but it, it definitely could have had I had dice explode. Immediately after that, they hit and the first one was the dice exploded. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember if dice can explode on damage, but I think I ran it. Oh, yes. Dice can explode. Oh, yeah. oh, no. Oh, they explode. Right. Okay. Um, but, like... <laughs> completely like got a success and two raises over their toughness and just smashed the first one. Uh, later on, I had a Benny, they spent a Benny so that they could do it to the next one. Cause they would have just stunned it um, or shaken it. Sorry. And shaken just means that they, that person either wildcard or extra cannot take any actions other than movement their next round but at the beginning of their next round they can roll a spirit roll to see if they can remove the shaken and yeah, if for some reason like they didn't shocked. they can immediately yeah. just spend a benny yeah. at any time to remove the shaken condition but if right. you're shaken and would then take another shaken result or higher you take a wound instead right so mm -hmm. and extras only have the one wound so basically you had to go shaken and then wound and then the extras out of the picture so, Chris, you've you were you've been doing some setting design a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it, it's so this all started when the three of us were talking about Amber. Um, yes. <laughs> and and how we how we'd love to play in an Amber game. I stepped up and said, I'd love to run an Amber game. That would be great. But I didn't want to use Amber Diceless. Um, I've never actually played it and had it work well okay um and and david can tell you i have a long bias toward wanting dice with my games fake drives are fun yeah exactly grog like dice as we used to say the the natural thing given for those of you who look up roger zelazny's chronicles of amber but the important thing about the chronicles of amber is you've got main characters who are members of a royal family who are wild cards every single one of them and you've got huge swaths of a multiverse that they call shadow. 
where just about anything can exist. This is custom made for Savage Worlds. And so I began to kind of break it down and look at, okay, well, how would we have edges? How would we have hindrances? How would we, you know, and, and you, you can do it. Um, it's so that, that's where it started. And I, I, I put together some rules and they're not so much rules. They're more like edges, hindrances, and powers that are specific to the setting. It's not a different system, but Savage Worlds, they put out settings like other places put out modules. I mean, it's I've got one, <laughs> I've got one great one called um Holler. It's it's an Appalachian apocalypse. It it looks like it's gonna be a lot of fun. I just picked up the secret files of section D, which is like a, a pulp occult kind of thing that mm -hmm. you know reminded me a little bit of the stuff in planetary david since okay. you're reading more like yep. the axle blast stuff in planetary yep. um which is kind of like you know, our uh, uh it, it kind of makes me want to rerun some of our our ace game our uh wild cards no <laughs> ken and i oh 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 watch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Sorry. The uh, the uh, sub the um. I'm blanking oh on my right gosh. Army yes, Corps the Army Corps of Engineers. Special <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Right. And 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 you know the day after Ragnarok, and there are things called Rippers, and there's another one, Deadlands, which was like the first one. So, point is, is that it, it's built for creating settings, and so I started with creating a version of Chronicles of Amber um, or and the Amber setting rules for it that you could use in your game if you were so inclined. Amber used to be really big uh, in, in mushes and, and all of that way back in the day. Yep. Um, and I played in a number of those. I played Corwin in a number of those, who's the main character, which made me very happy. But the point <laughs> is, is that it's such a great setting and so very rich that it would be great to run a game in. But we didn't have it. So I set something up for Savage Worlds. And then that got me on the idea of um, wanting to run um, a Dresden Files setting, but in my hometown of Cleveland, because I'm a Cleveland history buff. Mm -hmm. And so combining those things again, I, did I buy the fate-based system that, that they put out? out? Yep. Yes. Do I use it? Only for the source material, because I don't... I don't, there's nothing wrong with fate. It just, I have a hard time wrapping my head around it. But, you know, I got that and I got Savage Worlds and I sat down and we created, how do you, how do you do Dresden files in Savage Worlds? And so I've put that out there for people to use if they want, you know. But the point is, is that you can do these exercises and it's relatively easy to take whatever favorite setting you like and adapt it to a Savage Worlds it's gotten, and I, to be totally honest, it's gotten better with some of the large language model stuff because they understand the rule set <laughs> and they understand the fiction. And you can say, all right, I've created this bit. How does this compare to other things within the canon? And they can, so it becomes, I, I use that to kind of bounce things around. It, it beat the hell out of the search engine, frankly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cause I would have been Googling things left and right anyway. So the point is, is that we have a number of, a number of really great tools right now to be able to create these things for ourselves. 
I really like that. I I enjoy making these things. Since I was doing a one shot, um, and I didn't want to uh, burden the burden the players with creating characters for the one shot, but I mm -hmm. ran on limited time. I uh, I had created the characters. Chris, you already know you helped me create mm -hmm. portraits for the characters with Mid Journey, uh, which mm -hmm. were a huge hit, <laughs> and then. But I, I created the stats using ChatGPT to like say, hey, here's this person. Uh, can you make their character sheet? And I would I had to adjust it a little bit or had and and posted back to the prompts in ChatGPT. Hey, can you adjust this to uh, remove this this trait and add this one instead? Looking over it wasn't 100 percent following the rules. Uh, there were no. more edges and more traits yeah. Uh, than there should have been. But in my mind, it was a one shot and they all had the same things wrong. <laughs> so they were all <laughs> I mean, equally, they were all equally wrong uh, <laughs> power wise. So they were all still reasonably balanced. Um, right, and then if, right. if this one shot turns into an actual campaign, people will be creating their own characters and I won't have to worry about that side of things. But right. allowed me to put together this one shot in the space of a couple of days complete with character portraits and other things like that savage worlds it's you know adventure edition there's not a lot to creating some characters and such even if i hadn't the large language model of chat gpt i could have done pretty much all of it right without it right and and it's I one of the things that i like and that includes reading most of the book <laughs> you know, like I, I read, a, you know, a decent amount of like character creation, how do powers work? How does combat work? Uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There were a few things that I didn't, uh, how do Benny's work? All the stuff we've talked about so far. It was really easy to pick up. I was able to read it. It's an easy read as well. Uh, one of the things that I like about the PDF version is it's in layers so if your pdf reader allows you to view the layers you can actually turn off the background paper texture and they purposely set it up like that so you could it saves on ink while printing if you want to print parts of it um mm -hmm. but i found it really useful when reading it on the ipad that i wasn't having a bunch of extra noise behind the text as well. And it also right. rendered the page much more quickly. PDFs can be sometimes a pain to render quickly if it's got too many graphics. Right. So yeah. I guess I guess the key point to all of this was just that it is relatively straightforward to pick up Savage Worlds and either adapt a setting or create your own. Yeah. Whether or not you're using tech tools to do it. Yeah. Right. Um the the base the base system makes it really easy to do. It doesn't mean it's not work. It's work. Yeah. Like if, I, if this turns it's, into it's a, a campaign, kind of fun work. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's been fun. If this turns into a campaign, one of the things I didn't do for the one shot was trying to remember if they're called edges for the setting. But basically there are I'll call it edges for the setting. But like like things like quick healing or gritty gritty damage mm -hmm. or other things like that that are that help define the setting so if you want a more gritty setting uh where where getting hurt is bad 
is like really bad, you can do like gritty type damage. You know, it doesn't heal that quickly. Or if you want more like D&D fifth edition, you can do like quick healing and, you know, you can take your three wounds and basically the next day you're popping up and adventuring some more. Um, Mm -hmm. And it really depends on the world and the setting that you want to run. So I kind of ignored those for the one shot, but I'll, if it turns into a campaign, I'm definitely going to use those. I kind of ignored, I didn't customize, I should say, any of the powers. I just used them straight out of the book, and that was good enough. Uh, mm-hmm. There was uh, one one of the one of the characters was a, a tinkerer, uh, mechanist person who had created the ether infused automaton, which I used. Uh, I, I had done a, a Google image search and said steampunk Iron Man, and I found one that looked <laughs> cool, and that's what I used for the automaton. And it just kind of followed him around, but then when he would use the protection power or the, um, he would, like, that's when the ether infused automaton would, like, interpose itself in between the extra and the person taking damage that the power had been cast on. That worked. It worked pretty well. And and by the way, at the end of that uh, half a shot, uh, <laughs> the players were very interested in continuing to finish it, which I found found heartening. I, yeah, I, I definitely even if this game doesn't go anywhere, I would definitely be interested in playing and or running more Savage Worlds in the future. Yeah, I think the one of the the cool things is lots of people feel the way you do. <laughs> and so there have been a ton of the there is a really vibrant community for Savage Worlds. They'll do like like Savage Saturdays, I think at cons. Right. And so and you have a lot of people that are pumping out content. I would say I've looked in the columns that I do for Knights of the Dinner Table, I've looked at a lot of different role-playing games, and I think there is probably the most fan-created content. I mean, maybe Dungeons and Dragons would beat it, but like people doing novel things, like going out and building, like Savage Stargate. When I ran Savage Stargate as a one-shot at my local convention, somebody had written that, <laughs> yeah. right? And that's that's just cool, right? Like, and so there's people who like will riff on GI Joe or or those sorts of things. And I think that a lot of that material is out there and the small publishers have also done a great job of supporting it. So like Atomic Overmind and Day After Ragnarok, but also Realms of Cthulhu was a a Savage Worlds iteration of Cthulhu. Um, There's, as Chris was saying, a ton of setting stuff that that Pinnacle, the publisher of Savage Worlds has released. So there's a whole space opera setting called uh, The Last Parsec, which if you like your space opera, you pick it up and it's got a couple of different area settings. So when I read, read, when I ran Savage Ringworld, which David and I talked about at the beginning of this season, it was really easy to just pull from all of this material and just have a huge mashup of different settings and different time periods and what have you. And it all just, it all works very well together. Now that having been said, I have not tried to do savage riffs because <laughs> that takes things to a whole other level. They captured the power level of riffs in savage worlds. I've like peeked at those books. I've never picked them up. I feel like I want to, to get the overpowered effect because <laughs> they went bonkers. Yeah. I <laughs> In also a good found way. it interesting that uh, <laughs> if you really like the Pathfinder setting, but don't want to run the Pathfinder system, they have Savage Pathfinder. Yeah, that is really, this is all sort of what inspired me to just kind of, my stuff is out there on Git, you know, yeah. on GitHub. For people yeah. to fork or contribute or whatever, because this is the kind of thing that excites me, right? Everybody yeah. kind of doing their own thing and sharing. Yeah, yeah. And the Savage Pathfinder is actually an official release too; like it's a licensed mm-hmm. official yeah. release, which <laughs> is pretty cool. Yeah. 
the one thing that is really weird to me is that amazing as as Savage Worlds is, Gen Con only has four Savage Worlds events. What? Out of like <laughs> thousands of events, there's only four. Three of them are being run by the same person or group of people. Wow. Uh, I'm I'm surprised. There was a lot more the last time I was at Gen Con, but the last time I was at Gen Con was 2014. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know when Savage. When did Savage Worlds Adventure Edition come out? Was that bef- just before the, before the pandemic? Times? Yeah, just before I, the pandemic. Okay, because I, I got the box set. And I'm like, yeah, I got I can't. the. <laughs> yep, I got the big box set, and then we couldn't play it with anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. I think it's one of those things that I would. Uh, I'd like to see, kind of a renaissance, happen with more people playing Savage Worlds. It's not necessarily the newest system. It's you know it's the latest of, latest edition mm-hmm. of a system, but it's one of those things that I would really like to. I want to play more of, of Savage Worlds. <laughs> well, so. when we're done with our cyberpunk game, I'm happy to pick up and run that Savage Amber thing if we, okay. uh, if we want to either on podcast or off in all of your free time. Yeah. To be fair as well, one of my favorite systems, which is Fate, also only has four games running at Gen Con. Whereas to compare it with, uh, let's see, where's where's Dungeon Dragons? Do I even want to? Oh, <laughs> Oh, Gen Con. Um, yeah, dude. Dungeons & Dragons has, <laughs> looks like about 400 games. Well, it, it is Gen Con, dude. It I is mean. Gen Con. <laughs> well, Gen Con isn't run by Hasbro Wizards. So? So it's run by other people. It's, uh, I think it's one of those things that uh, more games, I would like to see more games happening. A lot of the well, other game well, systems, other than games. maybe Pathfinder. Pathfinder has 78 games running. Yeah. <laughs> You know, Palladium Fantasy, uh, which I'm actually honestly surprised to see running here, uh, has five games. Most of the games are in the single single digits or maybe double digits or low double digits. So it's, I guess, not too surprising. Shadowrun only has 48 games running. More role playing games, more Savage Worlds, please. (laughs) We can do something about that. (laughs) Yeah. One of the other things that I wanted to talk about but I think we could save it for it is like uh, like a deep dive into how to create a setting in Savage Worlds, like how to create those those like setting edges that we kind of talked about, which I'm using the, the wrong name for, but I can't recall it. How do you make sure that you're not doing something overpowered or underpowered compared to other stuff? I think we'll save that for for next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you have feedback, we love feedback. You can send it to us at podcast at layerofsecrets.com. We mostly post over at Mastodon now, which is dice.camp slash at layerofsecrets. We also stream this live on Twitch. So uh, if you want to get your fix early and unedited uh, and also contribute live to our discussions. Um, So that's uh, twitch.tv slash layer of secrets you can find all of these links and more over on layerofsecrets.com and you can also uh, comment over there uh, leave us some feedback topic ideas as i skipped ahead find all the other social sites that we're on over there so uh, thanks for uh, listening and watching everyone